Hey everybody, welcome to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I have a great episode today, uh, a discussion with Golf Week's Beth Ann Nichols, all about the LPGA season thus far. Before we get into that, though, I want to thank one of our sponsors for this episode, and that is our good friends at Precision Pro Golf. No Laying Up is, of course, brought to you by Precision Pro Golf. Right now, our listeners can add the NX9 slope to their golf bag this year for $20 off. Use coupon code TRAPDRAW, all one word, at precisionprogolf.com to receive $20 off their most advanced rangefinder, the NX9 slope. Let's talk about why the Strat Boys, the NARC, the C-Suite, everyone here at NLU uses the NX9 slope. It has all the features that golfers love, a crystal clear display, slope-adjusted distances, which I turn off, of course, target lock, pulse vibration, and a built-in magnet so it's always within easy reach. Not only is the NX9 slope a great range finder that you can trust, but Precision Pro offers the best warranty and customer service in the business. Anytime you have an issue, give them a call. You're not going to talk to a, a computer. You're going to talk to a real person. They'll get you sorted out in no time. They're also the only rangefinder that comes with lifetime battery replacements, which is such a nice little perk. Um, so right now, like I said, add the NX9 slope to your golf bag. Go to precisionprogolf.com. Use the code TRAPDRAW at checkout for $20 off our favorite rangefinder, the NX9 slope. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Thank them very much. And now on to my conversation with Beth Ann Nichols. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. You know what time it is. Uh, one of my favorite episodes to do are quarterly. Beth Ann, I think we're we're on a quarterly schedule here, which I absolutely love and I truly appreciate from you. But uh, catching up with Beth Ann Nichols, we're going to talk LPGA golf. Uh, it's been a very eventful 2021 season, and so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to diving in. But first, Beth Ann, welcome. Thanks for being here. How are you today? Thank you. I I am doing well. I'm excited to be on your show again for our quarterly update. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to start with some personal news and. Um, this happened a few weeks ago, but I want to publicly officially congratulate you on being named the first female golf riders association of America president. That is so cool. Such a deserved honor. I know you, I've loved reading all the praise from your peers. Uh, talk to me, talk to me a little bit about your reaction to that. Uh, were you, was that something you'd been hoping to get, uh, for a while now, or, or how does that even come about? Yeah. So, um, I think I would have really had to screw up to not get it uh, because I was like second vice president and then first vice president. So there's like a chain. Um, so, so yeah, just, just awesome that I was voted in, that I was even put in a position to be potentially voted in. Um, you know, it, it's of course a really strange time with COVID. We weren't able to have our normal big annual meeting at Augusta. And so, uh, you know, be glad when the whole membership is back hopefully next year, uh, you know, we can have our dinner. We have a big dinner during the masters, uh, for, you know, awards dinner. That's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really humbling and crazy to be the first female, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and I think the thing that's, you know, obviously I cover women's golf. So I love the fact that it's the golf riders. It's not, you don't just have to cover the men full time to be able to, to lead this organization that this is about all of golf. And so that that's really important to me. Yeah. Uh, as somebody who doesn't really know what that, like, well, I guess, let me ask you in a very simple way. What, what are the roles and responsibilities uh, for that position? And then how long of a term is it for you? 
So it's a two-year term. And, and I would say that the, the, the most important thing on the agenda right now is, is access. Uh, you know, obviously that's working conditions is always first and foremost for the job of, of the GWA board. Uh, you know, going ahead, you know, to majors or week to week, Ryder Cups, you know, all, all, all the tournaments, big and small. And it's not just for the big outlets, but for local papers as well to be able to, to have access. And so, uh, you know, with COVID-19, obviously a lot of things have changed. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting how different things are just on a week to week basis covering the LPGA compared to the way it is on the PGA tour now in terms of access. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest concern as, as tents have gotten smaller and fewer people have been credentialed in the last, uh, you know, year and a half, what will that look like for the rest of the year? What will that look like going forward? Cause we, we don't want it to stay shrunken. <laughs> right. And I know some of that is just a lot of the traditional media outlets. Um, unfortunately, those people and, and those jobs have, have you know, they, they've gone other places. They've, they've disappeared. Um, what, what are some things I, I kind of putting you on the spot here, but, but what are some things in your mind that can help uh, enlarge the media presence at not only the big PGA tour events, but all the way down through, you know, the week to week LPGA events. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a fight for, for every reporter uh, on the ground to, to, to get out to travel at all. Travel budgets are so incredibly uh, tight that in a way the pandemic has enabled people to be able to do things remotely. So maybe they, they might not have been able to have any kind of conversations at all with a player, but yet, you know, you can log on to a zoom call and, and, and ask questions, but you know, <laughs> the flip side of that is, you know, obviously people want to be able to ask in, in person, you know, it's, it's not the same. And, and there's a different level of accountability being on the ground and asking something, you know, and to, to someone looking them in the eye and asking them a question is very different than typing one in on a, you know, <laughs> on a chat. So, uh, so, you know, I think for, for me, um, I, I, I really would like to see more women, more diversity in our organization. I'm hoping that we can start some kind of a mentorship program. That's something I've talked about with a few people already, um, you know, that I, I would, I would love to see more people that, <laughs> you know, a representative of, of all of, all of golf and, and all of the country in our, in our working environments. And I think that would certainly, and more diverse media core would, would help serve the tour as well. So I'm really hopeful that we can come up with some different ways to, uh, to get, to get more people excited about covering the game. Yeah. Um, well, I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck and, uh, you know, please don't hesitate if, if you want to bounce ideas or if, if we could ever be of help uh, to anything like that. Uh, always here to, to talk. Um, I, I want to transition, if you don't mind, you wrote a piece last, well, gosh, uh, it's May already, a month and a half ago. I was going to say last month, but uh, it was back in the middle of March. Um, on Golf Week, I'd encourage if people haven't seen it, and it's titled "Let Them Score: How Misguided Course Setups Are Holding Back Women's Golf." And I was just hoping, my first question, uh, as best you can, could you kind of summarize um, the the working hypothesis or working theory of your article? Yeah, so it's 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 not just about the LPGA, even though I did have it pegged to the 20th anniversary of Annika's 59, and that we haven't seen another 59 since. <laughs> um, but but it's you know for all of women's golf, top to bottom, you know it, it it seems like women oftentimes don't have scoring clubs in their hands as often as men. So uh, if a green was designed to receive a nine iron. Uh, or a wedge, you know, oftentimes you'll see a woman hitting a six iron in or a hybrid, <laughs> uh, you know, reachable par fives for, for most players, even on the LPGA um, don't exist. You know, it's uh, maybe, maybe, maybe one a week. Uh, and that's with a three wood. That's all you've got, you know? So, um, so, it, and if you're, if you're, one of the many amateur players and I, and this happens to me as well, you know, oftentimes you can't reach the green and regulation period from the most forward tee. And so I think that's, that's a huge problem because you can't score. <laughs> so, so it's nothing's more frustrating than feeling like 
you know, the golf course is too big for you and you can't have the experience of playing the golf course the way it was designed to be played. And so having more teeing options for amateur players, understanding how far the average woman actually hits the ball is a good, a good starting position. Um, but then, you know, for, for someone like me, I hit the ball, you know, somewhere between 200 and 220 yards off the tee. And, and so, you know, oftentimes, you know, you're, I'm in the same landing area as my male playing partners. And if I'm 20 yards ahead of them, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, you've really got a hold of that one. What an advantage you have here, you know, <laughs> and yet they're hitting wedge and I'm still hitting eight iron or seven iron it, you know, and I'm, and I'm ahead of them. So, so that's just sort of a, you know, on a, on a, on an amateur level and on a professional level, you know, there's a huge difference. And when you turn on the PGA tour and you see men reaching par fives, you know, with eight irons and seven irons and, you know, six irons, and you don't see that over on the women's side, there's a disconnect. I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, some of the feedback, perhaps criticism uh, that your piece received, uh, could, could you summarize in, in your mind what was might have been fair or unfair? And and I'll just say that with, at least on Twitter, a good majority of golf fans, at least in my circle, um, you know, kind of resent what the PGA Tour is turning into with just driver wedge all the time. And so I think there was a little bit of like, oh, God, I, like, let's not turn the LPGA into what the PGA has become. Talk to me about how you received that feedback and if you thought it was fair, unfair, and, yeah. and any reaction. Yeah, so, uh, I, I mean, somewhere in the piece, I said no one wants to see a pitch and putt. Like that, you know, we don't want that, right? And we don't want 60s every week on tour. There's a middle ground there. <laughs> you know, it's just, to me, the gap is so great between what you see in the men's game and what you see in the women's game that when you tune in and you see women hitting hybrids and, you know, fairway medals into to par fours and par threes, you know, that you think, gosh, these women don't hit it anywhere, you know, and that, and that's not the case. And so there's this misconception of, of the talent in the women's game and, and a lack of statistical data to, to really be able to show you where and how they shine and how they compare to the men. So, you know, I, I mean, again, no one, no one wants to see, you know, wedge into every hole on the women's game. I mean, I, I love the fact that the women use more clubs in their bags, but I want to see more risk reward because risk reward is exciting. <laughs> and, you know, this whole idea that the LPGA is setting up a reachable par five in their minds, it's reachable, but the average length player on tour can't reach it with everything in her bag. Well, then there, that's a problem. Do you think the LPGA, I feel like because there's such a variance in length, from like the, the longest hitters on the LPGA tour to let's say middle tier, um, you know, that, that, that disparity is much larger in my opinion than what it would be on the PGA tour. It seems like to, to be successful, to reach the PGA tour, you know, everybody's just long. And right. um, so I, I'm just curious if, you know, I, I feel like course setup is a bit trickier in that if you did make par fives much more accessible and two to the, the average median LPGA player, are you giving the longer players too much of an advantage? Did, did you think about that or how, how did that factor in um, with, with your uh, reporting and research? Yeah, um, fair question. And, uh, and I agree with you on the disparity, uh, but I also feel like the longer players are often handicapped anyways because the way the courses are designed that so many times they can't hit driver off the tee and they're hitting free wood that yeah sorry and just for folks listening is that because of bunker placement or the fairway oh, yeah. runs out at a certain distance yeah, um, both, both things you know yeah. I mean it's just like you know so they they end up having it, it pinches down and there's you know there's nowhere to go so you know I think I think that it would help have more of a dominant player and 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 longer players to have an advantage and 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 why not like people like to see that you know so um you know why not let patty tabatanicet have at it you know i mean i think i think we it would be nice for the lpga to have a dustin johnson you know type player um i think that's exciting you know so it, it I would rather see the tour flourish on that end. And if we, if you push the envelope too far and you have to reel it back, so be it. Right. But at least let's get going in that direction more so that, you know, the cut number isn't plus three <laughs> and that average length player 
does have a chance to reach a par five with a hybrid in her hand. You know, that, that, that's more fun for her too. Yeah. Near universal agreement that risk reward is essential in the game of golf. And I think that was one thing I thought with your piece and some of the reaction to it was, you know, people just assuming that it was all reward without there being much risk. And I think as long as there is true risk in that decision, do I want to go for it in two? What kind of trouble can I get into? I, I, I'm all for that. And I think that's what makes golf and certainly professional golf. And even, you know, when you and I and, and amateurs go out and play that, that sense of risk reward, I think is crucial to the game. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I guess, um, I don't know how reading the piece that 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 somehow risk got taken out of risk reward because I never just said reward. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not really sure why the why the automatic stigma is, oh my gosh, now women can actually have shorter clubs in their hand. It's automatically too easy. You know, like yeah, like it's it, it's so frustrating. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, just from my standpoint, I think some of that is the frustration people feel seeing the PGA tour and uh, the, the frustration of guys tearing up golf courses, the, the scoring getting lower and lower and the, the lack of shot making um, or just the lack of variety of shot making maybe on, on the PGA tour these days. I, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's part of maybe the appeal for a lot of people coming to the LPGA tour is like, it's almost golf as maybe golf is meant to be played a little bit where it's not just driver wedge and every, and I'm not saying your piece was, was advocating for driver wedge, but I think that was maybe just the, the knee jerk reaction perhaps. Yeah. And I guess I would say that, um, that yes, we appreciate the nuance of the LPGA and that they do use more clubs in their bag. It seems, you know, than the, than the men do, but I also feel like it, it doesn't mean that, that we have to go from zero to 60 to some kind of extreme. You know, I just feel like, again, there's such a big gap. And, and when your average fan tunes in who hasn't watched the women play very much, and, and maybe they're not a high level IQ golfer <laughs> and they just tune in and they see high, higher scores and longer clubs in their hand that they, they then take that into, you know, these women aren't as skilled. You know, yeah. and it, this isn't as exciting because they don't hit it anywhere. And so even though that's not the case, and by and large, most of these women can still outdrive most amateur men, <laughs> uh, especially at the top level, because uh, most people don't really know how far they hit the ball. So, you know, I, I, in, in general, I think that there's just it just feeds to this misconception, you know, that the women aren't as skilled because they don't hit it as far. I totally agree with that. Uh, just to drive home that point, one of the things I'm consistently floored by is one of the best women in the game, Aria Jutanagarn. I mean, she doesn't even hit driver. She, right. you know, it's like, how is that, how is that possible? Um, I, I think bringing in course setup that would encourage her or necess necessitate even uh, her to bring the driver into play from time to time would, would only be beneficial. Yeah. And in, and in the piece, you know, like, you know, Laura Davies and, and Mel Reed are saying we want, we, they would like to see some longer par fours as well, you know, so kind of a balance where mm -hmm. more reachable par fives, you know, where you really can put the, put the pedal down and then a, a, a more challenging longer par four, you know, that, that still that obviously plays into the longer hitters hands as well. Uh, but it allows, it allows power to shine. And, and so, so that's good too. It's not all about necessarily the the total yardage on the card it's about what club is in your hand on the approach yeah yeah well that's i, I appreciate you I, I know that was something i had been wanting to ask you about and uh i, I thought it was a I, I thought it was a very interesting read it was a great read i would encourage everybody again to check it out um on on golf week so um yeah thank you Hey everybody, sorry to interrupt the conversation, but I want to thank our other sponsor for today's episode, and that is Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. Whoop can help anyone perform better, whether it's preparing for a golf match, a race, a board meeting. Whoop can help you plan out your day and make smarter lifestyle decisions to help you feel better than ever. The Whoop journal and monthly performance assessments 
allow you to track the decisions you make during the day and actually see what impact those choices have on your recovery, your sleep, and your strain. So things like, did I have alcohol? What time did I have alcohol? Did I read before bed? A new one for me, did I sleep at altitude? You can create and customize your journal to give you the best performance assessments for your lifestyle and your situation. Right now, listeners can receive 15% off when you use the code TRAPDRAW at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter the code TRAPDRAW, all one word, to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to my conversation with Beth Ann. Let's dive into the 2021 LPGA season. Uh, my question to you when I was setting up this podcast was like, where do we even begin? I feel like there have been some really, really good storylines. So let me put it to you. What's in your opinion, what's the biggest storyline thus far of the 2021 season? Lydia Ko, for me, uh, the reemergence, resurgence, resurrection of, of Lydia Ko. I mean, she's uh, what? Where does she go from here? You know, I mean, that's that's the million dollar question. Uh, and and I, I mean, my goodness, we are watching the A and A inspiration, and I'm forcing myself not to tweet 59 watch to not jinx anything. Cause <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> could she be forced to take on the ultimate risk reward here on the 18th hole? Yeah, right. to try to do 59? <laughs> it was so incredibly thrilling. And I, she, you know, her win earlier this year, um, it seemed like it was kind of a long time coming, even back to the restart last August. Um, I had written down some stats since the restart in 20 starts, Lydia has 11 top tens, just captured her first win and has three runner ups. Uh, I found it fascinating a year ago today, she was ranked 49th in the Rolex world rankings. Uh, she currently sits eighth, uh, you and I are recording on Friday, May 7th. So that could change after this weekend is Lydia legitimately back as one of the best players in the world um is winning another major the next big step for where do you think she goes from here i definitely think uh winning a major is the next step definitely without question um would i be surprised if she got to number one in the world yes uh only because i didn't know if she'd ever be able to get over all the scar tissue that had built uh built up over the, the last few years but it's not, I mean, she's in the top 10. She's number eight in the world right now. So, <laughs> so it's not crazy, you know, to think that she could, you know, ascend to number one again. And, and, you know, this is, uh, at this point, so much of it is about what's going on in between the years and, and replacing bad memories with good memories. Uh, the more, the more she can build strength on strength, um, you know, who, who knows what she can do. I mean, she would, she was so incredible at such a young age, you know, that, you know, it's, it's hard to put her in a box and say that she can't do something, you know, that she can't reemerge and, and, you know, come back stronger, you know, I mean, I know that sounds uh, pie in the sky maybe, but, um, but Lydia is a special player with a special personality. Uh, and, and I think with Sean Foley on her side, uh, and in her head, uh, you know, I think they're, I think they're a really good pair. And I think she's really, um, been able to just kind of have just the two of them, you know, I know there's a team, but I'm just saying that I, I feel like maybe some outside forces aren't in play as much as they used to be. And that, you know, what, what Sean says kind of goes right now. And I think that's really important. You you know Lydia. You've seen Lydia much more than I have. And for any listeners that are kind of diving into LPGA golf, when Lydia's on, what what makes her so special? What what is her separating factor? Well, I think when we saw her at A and A, we saw a, a free Lydia again. Right? She just looks so at ease and comfortable, and and that's what we saw when she was breaking every youngest two record that was in the books, you know, it was, it just looks so natural. <laughs> and so we, we, she got away from that natural looking everything, <laughs> you know, not, not just, not just her swing, but her, her physique, you know, everything changed so dramatically, uh, you know, over the course of several years 
that, um, you know, it just looks so controlled. And so I think, I think now, you know, she's finally um, feeling confident about everything. She looks like an athlete again. You know, she has that, that stability. Uh, you know, they've obviously worked on technique really hard. You know, she is a really hard worker. So as much as I'm touting her at natural abilities, she puts in the time in every aspect. And, and so I think, you know, the last piece of the puzzle was believing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I feel like now she can just kind of, I, I, it was, Sean was, was comparing her to um, Usain Bolt and, the, and, and when he's in the starting blocks and he's going, how, how relaxed his jaw is, like how relaxed everything is because now, now it's just instinct taking over, you know? And so that's what we've been waiting on Lydia to get to that point where instinct just took over and she could let go of the wheel. And, and that's what I feel like we're seeing now. So let me, I love, I love just putting point blank questions to you. Uh, somebody else who, who broke a, uh, a, a title drought here recently, Brooke Henderson, Brooke or Lydia, who wins, uh, who nabs a major first, where would you put your money right now? So right now I put my money on Lydia because just the consistency there. I mean, she has, as you said, she has one win and, and, and two runner up showing so far this year. And I don't want to say Brooks win in LA came out of nowhere, but it, you know, certainly wasn't trending in the way that, that Lydia was. So, um, so I just think from an overall consistency for the year, it's on Lydia. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you for the record. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me ask you about the quarter sisters. They, they went back to back in the, the two season opening tournaments, Jessica won, and then, uh, Nellie won down in, um, at the game bridge in Orlando kind of a a fairy tale dream start, I'm sure for the LPGA tour, at least here domestically. Um, And it seems like Jess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Have have you seen her play this good of golf this consistently? Yeah. You know, um, it's a, no, yeah, no, (laughs) I guess that yes, but no. Sorry. That was an awkward question. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think she, uh, look, she always starts off the year with a bang, right. Um, (laughs) And now she's, uh, you know, she seems to be building towards something, you know? Uh, so hopefully that's a major championship because that's certainly uh, what what she needs uh, to sort of break into the next level of things. Um, but, you know, I think even so, as, as consistently as she's been playing, Nellie's been more consistent, you know? So, so even though Jess has been so impressive, I mean, shot 60 right to start the year at at the diamond but um but still you know you you look at you know kind of the frustrations down the stretch in LA uh you know and and you kind of feel like you still feel like Nelly has a little bit of an edge there still yeah and um you know the race is CME I Nelly currently ranks number one in that uh Jess is number five the the Rolex world rankings Nelly currently sits at four Jess is at 14. Uh, I'm really curious about Nellie. We that's somebody we've talked a bit about on our Sunday night NLU recap pods, and I almost get the sense she's she's at a point where she's so good and so consistent, but she's not quite winning at an unbelievable clip. Where where I, you know she's almost becoming a a victim of her own success a little bit, and. When I think it was DJ, uh, you know, I, I, I like to poke at Tony Finau on the PGA tour and, and give him a hard time. Cause he, you know, he just doesn't win. And he obviously he's got all the talent in the world. Nelly wins a lot more than Tony has to this point, but I, I, I do you sense a little bit of that. Like our, our expectations, I know I've asked you about Nelly in the past, but I, you know, are we expecting too much out of her? How, you know, how, how do you assess her, her results, you know, does she need to win more? Is that even a fair question to ask? <laughs> yeah. So I just, just to, uh, jog my memory on when her birthday is, her birthday is July 28th. So that's when she'll turn 23. And I think part of the, the issue, I guess, of being a star on the LPGA is that so many players experience incredible, spectacular success at such a young age that that every other player who shows a lot of promise is compared to that player you know well well you're not winning as many times as as Lydia or you you know you know Brooke won a major a lot earlier 
area Jutanagar. Like the list, you know, just kind of goes goes on and on. And really at 22, she's really not that old. <laughs> so, no, no. so I think when I think when we kind of like step back and put it in perspective, do we all think she would did we all think she probably would have won a major by now? Probably, yes. Um, just like Jess. Um, but I, I guess I just look at a player like NB who had a long drought after she won her first major, you know, became the youngest player to win a US Women's Open at 19, you know, and then really hit her stride years later uh, after, after she met her now husband GH and, uh, and, and a lot of things changed. But, but the point is, is that I, I feel like there's still a lot of time for Nelly. And so I'm not hitting the panic button <laughs> by any means. But, but again, I just think there have been so many players that have won big titles at a young age that it's really hard not to compare her and say, why haven't you done that yet? But, mm-hmm. but a lot of those players also didn't have the, the built-in, um, in, in a way, it's a, it's a positive in that she's had all this, the, she could follow in her sister's footsteps, you know, both parents are professional athletes, you know, her brother's an outstanding tennis player. But there's also just a little bit of added pressure to that too, you know, whereas these other players didn't really have a family member to kind of live up to, or, you know, all these expectations coming out of the gate. Um, They just kind of wowed us. Um, So there's positives and negatives, I guess, with that. Um, But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. As always, we'll see. Um, I, I, I think it just, and, and I'm guilty of it. It's like, it just comes from a place of wanting her to, really break through and, and stake that dominant major win. And it's like, okay, now, now we're ready. Like now this could be the Nelly Cordaire, right. To, to really announce herself. But like you said, hopefully this year, maybe this year, uh, we'll just have to wait and be a little, a little bit more patient. Um, I was going to say a part of us, cause she's American, right? I mean, yes. we're, we are desperate for an American star on the LPGA, like superstar, household name, desperate for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that makes us want to push Nelly even more because because the the combination of of Nelly and Jess, you know, there's that feeling that they could really take the tour to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to transition. It was a great segue. Uh, you mentioned these these breakthrough dominant performances at a young age, and that leads us to this year's ANA champion, Patty Tavatanikit, uh, 21 years old. I mean, what an unbelievable dominant breakout performance she put on. Uh, she was around 100 in the world, somewhere a, a little less than that. She vaulted all the way up to 13th currently. Um, did, did people see this coming? Was this put, put this, put, put her performance in, into perspective for me, if you don't mind. So I think uh, Patty obviously was a, uh, an outstanding collegiate player at UCLA. You know, she had all this power. Um, anytime a player has a lot of power, they turn heads and you start thinking, you know, what they could do at the next level. And, and so that's, that certainly was Patty Tabatanik at, at UCLA. Obviously, Thornberry, you know, she's contending before she's even a member at age 19. She blistering start on, on the Symmetra tour and then kind of fell flat last year as a rookie. And uh, and so I really wasn't sure what to expect in rookie season number two, <laughs> yeah. uh, because, you know, it was a it was a disappointment uh, for, for, for her. I mean, not just for me, but, uh, but, you know, then, then Grant Waite comes into the picture and uh, here she has this former PGA tour winner, champion store player on uh, in her corner, not only as her swing coach, but then on her bag uh, at, at the, the start of the season in Florida. And she learned a lot with, with Grant on the bag. And, and we saw that uh, pay off, I think in a big way, at the ANA Inspiration. And she's also a Vision 54 uh, player. She has Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott uh, on her team. And 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 I love how honest, my favorite thing about Tav- Patty Tabatanikit is how honest she is about everything, you know, and and how, what a, what a struggle, you know, even now after she's won, the struggles that she's gone through and feeling overwhelmed. And I never should have gone to LA. I felt like I had to go because, I played college golf there and I was an honorary member at Wilshire. It was the right thing to do, but I wasn't ready. And, you know, trying to figure out 
who to say yes to and who to say no to when everyone wants a piece of you after you have this amazing week. So many things that she's trying to figure out and she's almost letting us know about it in real time. And, and I think so many people can learn from, from her journey. And, and I think that that honesty, you know, will help her um, come to grips with fame a lot easier than trying to just pretend it's not there, you know, and have a stoic face and just kind of, you know, smile and go through it. I just think her, her approach to everything is so refreshing. And that's awesome to hear. And I've, you know, the, the interviews that I've seen and specifically like that, that post win interview out at the ANA, um, I, I'm just not accustomed to hearing some of the stuff she was talking about from, uh, you know, from major winners like that. And she seems pretty wise too, for only being 21. Uh, it seems like she's, she's kind of much older than maybe her age uh, w- would appear at this point. So uh, somebody in our little uh, NLU world here um, on our message board actually said when he was watching the, the ANA, it, it felt to him watching Patty, he said it felt like almost a, a 1997 Tiger Woods at Augusta moment where it was just this emergence of what was quite clearly a, a world-class talent. Um, I, I know that's like the loftiest of, of praise and, and the <laughs> highest of uh, comparisons for it, but w- what do you think of her ceiling, of her game? Like, is she someone that's going to be a consistent force in the women's game over the next several years? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to say. Uh, I mean, you look at so many players just in recent years that, um, you know, Area Jutanagar, that gosh, could could anything, will anything stop her? You know, <laughs> it's like she's she's figured it out without a driver. I mean, it's it's so, it's so often that you see players reach this kind of pinnacle and ha- and 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 they do have this kind of power. Like she has like next level power, right? But so does Area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and it's like, well, can you handle all of it? Do you really want it? When you do hit a big speed bump, how do you react to it? It's not just having all the the talent in the world. It's it's being able to harness it and being able to to maintain a, a level of consistency that we haven't seen anyone do it really uh, in a long time. The really, I mean, Yanni for for the longest time before that, Lorena. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Lydia obviously had some tremendous seasons there, but it, it when you look back on it, it was really kind of short. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, we're recording this. Uh, Patty is currently leading the event over in Thailand, so she may add win number two uh, to her total later this weekend. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see. I, I just, one, I love watching her play. Like you said, she, she brings that next-level power. There's so much athleticism in her golf swing, uh, but it, it feels like maybe there, there could be really something special there. So excited to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, it's just so early. <laughs> yeah, I know. But you, what's know? Fun, you know, that's half the fun, right? If we oh, can't, no. you know. <laughs> 100%, 100%. And, I, and like I said, if, if she happens to be that player, the next dominant player, then, then we're going to have a whole lot of fun because, you know, she's a great interview. She's, she's, she's just fun to be around, you know, and, and it's really exciting to watch. Yeah. Obviously, her win at the ANA, uh, a major, was also her first LPGA victory. I, I'm I'm always curious, Bethany. I love to pick your brain about uh, just some tips and and who might be in that class. Where like uh, who who's another name or two that you think might have the um, ability, the the talent, to where they could perhaps you know their first win could be a major. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you look at. Uh at Alim Kim, right? (laughs) Like we're thinking about players that, um, that aren't even LPGA members. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, Yuka Sasso, uh, a tremendous amount of talent, uh, so powerful. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm really curious and I don't know if their first win would be a major, but um, I mean, I think Rose Zhang could go win win a U.S. Open next week if if, <laughs> if all the cards fell right. You know, uh, that might keep her from going to Stanford. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, she's just she is so so impressive, and 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 you know, in defeat at Augusta National, where we all thought she would just 
walk away with that. Uh, I, I was the most impressive interview that I've seen her give. So um, a tremendous head on her shoulders. You feel like she's built for big moments. Uh, obviously a, a really young player, but, um, but again, as we were saying earlier, teenagers winning majors is nothing new on the LPGA. Um, amateur would be next level, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, what Gabby Ruffles does. She's trying to, to play her way onto the tour. Uh, here's a player who has not been playing golf very long and has just been on this skyrocket trajectory uh who who has you know a tremendous it factor as well um and then speaking of anwa you know uh jennifer cupjo you know yeah. she's certainly one that that is due <laughs> and, and that was the one that in kind of putting together this agenda i noticed she's ranked 15th in the world right now and i was shocked i i guess i had just assumed that she had won already on tour but um certainly the highest ranked player that has not won on the LPGA tour yet is, is Jennifer Cupcho. And just for folks, you know, she's, I think she, speaking of the power game, I, I feel like she's a long hitter, went to Wake Forest, uh, tons of pedigree there. Won, won the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur and nearly won the Evian, uh, you know, right after she turned pro, uh, you know, she lost to Jen Young Co, Co at Evian in, in July of, of 2019, but um, also, had a had a uh, a strong showing earlier this year at, at the Ocala event, uh, which Austin Ernst ultimately ran away with. But um, Jennifer is definitely due and has the game, you know, to to win a major championship, no doubt. Uh, and I love that you mentioned Gabby Ruffles. She's big. We're big fans of Gabby. We've gotten to know her just a little bit. Um, she played in the the Jacksonville City. Um, Oh gosh, was it the City Open? I believe it was the City Open last summer, uh, which was fun. And she seems like to me, one, it's amazing. Like I know it's thrown around a lot. Yeah, she hasn't been playing golf that long, but when you really stop and can think about it and consider like, yeah, she's literally only been playing golf for eight years, I think, eight, eight, nine years. And and what she's been able to do in that short time frame. Um, she seems to me like somebody who's just the harder the course gets, the harder the conditions get. Uh, I always expect her to kind of rise up the leaderboard. She, she seems so steady and calm and just a, you know, a super even keel game. Yes. I, I, I would agree with that. And when you, when you talk to her, it's, it, you know, it's, it's that way too. Um, she's, she has a, a maturity about her as well. Um, just a straight up athlete, you know, she was a really strong tennis player, which is why she got the late start in golf. Uh, I believe she was 15 when she decided to switch over to full-time uh, golf and, uh, and, you know, what she's been able to do in the last, the last two years has been, uh, has been remarkable. Can I ask you about, uh, I got a few things I want to ask you about, and then, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up here at the end. Uh, the, the first, the, the first player is Sung Hyung Park. I, I first saw her a few years ago. I think it was at the KPMG in Chicago at Kemper, um, and just loved watching her swing a golf club and obviously has had a lot of success, but as I'm digging into her stats, shocked. She doesn't have a top 10 since the 2019 British Open. Um, you know, she's she's following in the Rolex world rankings. What What's going on there? Is, is there an injury that kind of I don't know about or didn't realize? Or what's your take there? Yeah, I, I full level honesty here, I have not talked to SH Park <laughs> recently. So I don't know if she has, an, I don't, I'm not aware of an injury. Um, I asked somebody who played, who was in the same group with her uh, recently? I said, "What? what what's going on? Like, what? What does it look like?" <laughs> you were yeah. like, "Well, there's a lot going left and a lot shorter." And so I looked at. Oh. So I was like, I'm, "Let's look at the at the stats." And not kidding on the shorter. Uh, you know, she normally is in the top ten in driving distance. Uh, two seventy, two seventy five. Her current driving average is two fifty eight. So, you know, she's dropped considerably. She's 74th right now on tour and driving distance. So, um, so I don't, I don't have an answer on, uh, on, on why she's spiraling, but she's spiraling. I mean, her scoring average right now is, is more than four strokes higher than it was in 2017. So, um, so it's, 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 it's as I was saying earlier, you just never know when it's just going to start going the wrong direction. Cause this was a player who just looked, you know, invincible there for a while. And, um, 
And this is where I go on my stats rant with the LPGA because. Please, unless, please give it to me, Beth. Give me the full oh rant. I mean, we, first of all, we, we don't even get to see a full 18 holes for the leaders on Sunday. Right. We only get to see nine and change maybe. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so if, unless you are on the ground, physically watching somebody walking with them, you really don't have a clue what's behind the number on the scorecard because you know, all you get is your main numbers that you and I, you know, keep track of our own, you know, like, yeah, we know on our, Amber, how many fairways we hit, how many greens we hit. Right. But I mean, it's ridiculous. So like, I, I can't give you any kind of trends or any, anything that, you know, is substantial that I, unless I go ask the player, the caddy, or I follow them for, for weeks right. <laughs> and dedicate all my time to that one player. And it's so frustrating because whether it's good news or bad news, whether it's why they're excelling or why they're on the decline, it's, it's so hard to tell stories because there aren't numbers. So, so, you know, I feel like fans are like, why do we hear the fluffy stuff all the time? You know, why, why are we getting to the nitty gritty? Well, because it's, really hard to give nitty gritty with the lack of data. So I just hope whoever the next commissioner is makes this a priority because even though the LPGA probably can't afford, definitely can't afford a PGA tour like Shotlink, there's got to be something because even the KLPGA has better data where you could at least see, you know, where they went on <laughs> where each shot went on a hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A amen to all of that. Um, in any of your conversations, do you have any sense of what that cost is for a stats package week to week or for, for a year? Is it's a seven figure number, but I don't know how high the seven figure number is for the, for the year. And I know it takes a lot of manpower to volunteers, Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be at least a, a training wheel set, you know, to get started, to get, to get something because you just feel like, it, it's so hard to give and Karen Stupples, you know, she's, she's the, uh, the great champion of this, you know, she's, this, yeah, she's driving this bandwagon for she sure. Totally is. And I, and, and, and she's gotten me fired up about it and <laughs> she couldn't be more right. I mean, I mean, so go Karen, go. <laughs> yeah, no, amen. Every time I see her, that's, we always talk about it. Yeah. I'm, she has me fired up too. It, it seems like such a ripe spot for, a company that's looking to make an impact in women's golf, like what better way than to sponsor, uh, especially with all these technology companies, right. Than, than to sponsor a, a comprehensive stats uh, package. Um, yeah. Well, I like you, like Karen, I let's hope that it, it gets here sooner than later. Um, speaking of SH park and, and the Korean Olympic or uh Speaking of SH Park, I want to ask you, you know, want to check in with the Korean Olympic qualifying women's golf. Uh, I love when you say it's like the, the most competitive spots in all of golf, the hardest team to make. Um, it, it seems like with uh, last week's result in Singapore, H.J. Uh, Kim winning there, she's kind of cemented, at least for the time being, in that fourth spot to qualify. Uh, do you expect much change from, from now till the Olympic Games? I guess on the outside looking in, are Lee Six and So Yun Ru uh, would be the two biggest names. And of course, SH Park. Um, just curious what you think there. Yeah. I mean, we've still got a couple majors to go. Uh, so it would take, it would, it would take some heroics for sure. Um, but Hyoju made a big statement winning in Singapore. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I think, I think it'll be really tough. I mean, I also think it'll be tough for four Americans to hang on to, the top 15 in the world uh, because there's just so much movement and, and it's, you know, it would be great for the Americans to actually have four players in, in Tokyo it would be fantastic, but, um, but it's going to, it's going to be tough. It really is. I have yeah. a, I have a Hyoju story. Yeah, please. Oh, um, by all means. So I, I, you know, Hyoju won with this, this, it was funny. Uh, Grant Boone on Twitter called her, said she looked like a beekeeper. <laughs> she had this, <laughs> this mask that extended down below her neck. And, and I, know, I thought, you know, like the invisible man movies, the, yes, the old movie with the, exactly. yeah, it's kind of what it looked like to me. Exactly. And, and it's because she has a severe sun allergy. So there was a reason there and she had sunglasses on. And so it was really hard for people to connect with Hyoju. I felt like in Singapore and, and, and in general, because there is a language barrier there. So, 
So here's my my get to know Hyoju a little bit story. So a couple of years ago, I'm in Korea covering the UL International Crown. And my my friend Shizuka is is a photographer, um, covers the LPGA a lot, Major League Baseball. She's she's from Japan. She's celebrating a birthday. So we go out to dinner and uh, when we're seated on, on a cushion on a floor right next to Hyoju. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's a language barrier there for, for us, definitely. And so she she's, could not have been nicer in helping us to order. And, and, and the live octopus came to the table. <laughs> it didn't stay alive very long, but it was, it was a, a very adventurous dinner. But I mean, she was so friendly through, through the broken English and, and she really is really funny. I wish people could, could, could see that sense of humor. Uh, but anyway, so when Shizuka and I, there was a third person with us, when Katie, when, when we left, uh, Shizuka, or Hyoju had actually taken care of our bill, which I was was shocked. Could not have been nicer. I mean, it was it was for Shizuka's birthday, but I mean, I it just she is a really kind, funny individual, and and it's just one of those things that I wish people could see what I see, you know, and especially behind all that garb, it was impossible to see what I see. But but just you know, she did not have to do that. It was completely unexpected. But I, you know, I think it was just her way of saying thank you for being in my country you know, coming all this way to, to cover, to cover this event. I love that. Thank you. I, that's a, that's a great story. I love hearing little stories like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, where, speaking of the crown, where, where's the crown event this year? Is it in Eng- England? Oh, it got, it got canceled. It yeah, got canceled. Oh, okay. It was supposed to be in England last year. So that's, that's right. So it'll be, it'll be, I'm not actually sure what, what the future holds in terms of where, when it is exactly next, but okay. Uh, but yeah. That- that that is one that uh, Tron and myself really really want to go to, and we also want to go to Korea for an LPGA event. I think that would be so much fun. I tell you what, that week, my ears actually hurt because the screaming for SH Park was so high pitched and so loud. It was like being at a like Justin Bieber concert. Like you know, it was insane. Like I mean, it literally hurt. <laughs> it yeah. was, it was it was a rock concert. It was really with teeny boppers. Is what it is what it sounded like in my yeah. head. But but it just kind of gives you just a glimpse of what it's like over there. You know, it's uh, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, well, speaking of I I don't know. I guess somewhat on the subject, I wanted to ask you about a new event coming up at the end of May, the inaugural match play event. And uh, very excited. I, I, it's out at Shadow Creek in Las Vegas. Folks may remember that from. Uh, the Tiger Phil match was played out there. Um, a very lush, decadent golf course. Uh, I, I, I'm just curious. My question for you: Have you heard much about the format? You know, is it similar to what the uh, WGC is on the men's side, or, or how 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 is the field and the format going to be? Yeah. So, um, in terms of who qualifies, that that's still I, th- I think they're still working some of those details out. Um, I think, <laughs> but, uh, but it's going to be 16 groups of four players. Uh, so they'll play uh, the first three days of round robin matches. And then the winner from each of those little pods moves on to the 16 player bracket. And then it'll be single elimination after that. Uh, so it's actually televised for five days, which is really cool. And hugely important when you consider that the last time the LPGA had a match play event was 2017, Lorena Ochoa down in Mexico city, and it was not on TV. So I was down there like live tweeting like a bad person because there, <laughs> yeah. was, there was no way for anyone to know what was going on. So it was uh, it was a really cool week. And I was like, gosh, darn it. No one can see this. And it's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm thrilled that it's back. That's awesome news to hear. I, I love the little, um, I, I like the pods where, you know, you get round robin so you can see certain players multiple times. Uh, and then obviously feeding into a single elimination kind of sweet 16. Uh, I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that event. Yeah. I think it's a great lead up to the women's open. Yeah. I was going to say, and then it goes right into, um, the U S women's open, uh, one month out from the open. I just saw you out at Olympic club in San Francisco. Uh, enjoyed your company. I know we both got beat up a little bit playing Olympic club. I think it's going to be a great venue. Uh, it, it, can I put you on the spot? If you had to pick today, who's your pick to win the U S women's open? <laughs> uh, so I, my initial thought, I was thinking about say young, um, say young Kim, 
uh, I'm, but gosh darn, Patty Tavitanicket, long and high, those elevated greens. It's really hard to, to not look to her. Um, I don't know if you noticed, I had the benefit of actually playing with uh, Shannon Rulliard, who's setting up the course. So maybe you, you probably didn't. If you didn't, I understand. But we drove past on 17 rough plots that were right in front of the tee. Basically, uh, the superintendent had set up um, plots of different heights of rough and had them marked like, you know, three and a half inches, four inches. And so the rough was very generous when we were there. Very generous. Yeah. Which made me feel even worse about my golf game. But uh, Amen. I couldn't even blame it on that. My goodness. But, but so we stopped and Shannon was like throwing down balls in the different, uh, in the different plots, you know, to, 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 to show what it, what it could look like. And, uh, and I was just grateful that that was not me. Yeah. <laughs> No, I wish I would have seen that. I We, of course, cruised right by it. I think we were too fixated on the burger dogs out there. <laughs> and, and, and who was it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question for you, Beth Ann. Uh, it's just about commissioner. You know, I know Mike won. Um, the news is official. He's going to the USGA. Are you hearing anything about, uh, I don't know if you can divulge maybe some names, some possible candidates, but more so the timing of when a new commissioner might be named on the LPGA? Yeah. Um, so the, the last I've heard is it's down to four. Um, I, I'm not real comfortable with saying the names that I've heard. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I haven't. And, and I honestly, there's, I've only, I'm missing one for sure. And so I'm, I'm convinced that the one that I have no idea who the one is, I think I might know three of the four. I Are there any shockers or any, well, let me ask you this. Uh, anybody from out currently outside the world of golf? No. And so that's why okay. I'm convinced that the one I don't know is probably the one that's going to get it. That's probably <laughs> that I'm going to be Googling like who. So, uh, cause that I'm just, that's what I think is probably going to happen. But, um, but anyways, I, I, I believe we'll know something by the end of the month. Okay. So, um, so they're, they're definitely uh, on the home stretch now. And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm excited. Can I throw out a totally unsubstantiated name that I heard a while back and it sure. would fit as the mystery uh, fourth candidate perhaps was Condoleezza Rice. I don't know if you've oh, heard yeah, any that, rumblings. That, that would be the ultimate wish list, right? <laughs> It'd be interesting. Yeah. I, 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 if I could have like, you know, handpicked someone, it would have been her, but, um, but I would be shocked if that, if that yeah. Like I said, that might be totally, I, yeah. I had heard that back in, uh, gosh, January, February. So long time ago. Well, if that happens, I, I, I mean, I, my head might explode. I'd be so excited, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I'm hearing a lot of female candidates, so I'm, I'm thinking it'll probably be a woman at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I think is, is good. Certainly. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a requirement, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. I, I think they, they're obviously they're coming into a good position. I feel like uh, Mike Wan left the tour in, in a good spot, much better than, than when he found it. But some of the stuff we've talked about, there's, there's a long way to go in, in certain areas. And I'm, I'm hopeful the commissioner can kind of, come in and, and be forceful and, uh, you know, get some initiatives, um, checked off and yeah. Uh, well, Beth Ann, this was, I've, I've had a smile on my face the whole interview. This is one of the highlights, uh, of, of my year, each quarter, uh, especially, I really appreciate the time and the insight and, and thank you so much. Thank you for having me as always. I look forward to the next one. <laughs> and you know what I didn't thank you for, uh, our week in the life video with Madeline Saxstrom came out a few weeks ago. And I, I wanted to thank you for being a part of that, your interview and um, the role that you played in that was, was super helpful and, and was a huge value add. So thank you as well for that. Well, thank you. I love the work that you guys are doing. It's so important. <laughs> I look forward to your next one. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. And I can, we can't wait to do the next one. So I'll, I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, I know we'll be watching the golf this, this weekend in prime time. It's a little later for you on the East coast, but it's perfect for me in Denver. <laughs> it's a great nightcap yeah. for me. It's definitely a little late on the East coast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Bethany, we'll have to, we'll catch up later this summer. Okay. Sounds great. Thank All you. right. Yep. See ya.
Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who 